there for an illustration. I thought somebody is going to grab that as sure as the world, but you didn't. All right. So I'm going to show you a picture of Payne Stewart. Anybody recognize that picture? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason I want to show you that picture is because Payne Stewart was a nonconformist. Can you tell? He doesn't look like your typical golfer, but Payne was a tremendous influence, not only in golf, but in the world. He was a fine man, and uh, so he was a nonconformist, but that wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing. Now I want to show you a picture of hippies. <laughs> Can you tell? You see that well enough? They are, how many of you are hippies? Yeah, that's what I figured, yeah. That's what I figured, there's some of you. So, not of course about anybody present, but that generation wasn't a particularly positive influence in terms of nonconformity. In fact, during the 60s, I'm old, so I can remember that far back, and some of you can too. It was scary. It really was scary because the values, the morality of our nation was changing dramatically. And it made, it made a lot of us kind of nervous. Drugs took an edge that they'd never taken before. Free love. You know, sexual immorality and so forth increased. And so in that case, being a nonconformist wasn't a very positive thing. It didn't add much to your life, probably, if you were a hippie. You got over it. But it probably didn't add much to your life that was positive. So my point is, I'm not, I'm not much of a nonconformist. You know, it took great courage for me to grow a goatee. <laughs> I didn't do that till after I was retired from Faith Chapel. But being a nonconformist, what I want to help you understand this morning, being a nonconformist is not necessarily a bad thing. To be a standout, to be outstanding, you could be a nonconformist and be the best student, the best musician, or you can be a standout and be the worst of something. It's not, it's not necessarily good or bad. And what I want you to see this morning is that Jesus was a nonconformist, wasn't he? Jesus did not fit into his culture. And if we, as followers of Christ, and if we as Hope Center are going to make a difference we will have to be nonconformists in many ways. We don't really look at it that way very often. So being different makes a difference. If you're not different, you're going to fit in, be like everybody else, and you won't make a difference. So being different makes a difference, okay? And that requires courage. So let's make a deal. Fill in the blank there. Let's make a deal. Let's learn to be nonconformists. 
Learn to be different so we can make a positive difference. And again, if you just blend in, you're probably not going to make a difference. So let me read a couple of passages of Scripture that uh, support this idea. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Notice these words. Do not conform. Do not conform. Be a nonconformist. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you'll be different and prove His will. Then Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. This morning we're starting a series out of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go through six things in that fifth chapter, and this is the first one. Blessed are you. When people insult you. Golly, I don't like that. You like to be insulted? Well, I don't. Blessed are, pe blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Notice it because of me. Notice why you're being insulted, because of him. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, unless, in other words, unless it's different, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So salt is only good because it's different. He's saying we're the salt of the earth. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl, instead they put it on its stand. And then it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So how can we be salt and light? Now, let me just ask you a, a question. Whose opinion matters the most to you? It's amazing, isn't it, that we will let people that we don't respect, don't agree with their lifestyle. They may not be followers of Christ as we are, but sometimes we will let their opinion shape us. It happens all the time. So whose opinion matters the most? The only way that you can be a nonconformist in a healthy way for Jesus' sake, is if his opinion means more than anybody else's. Okay? So fill in the blank there. It says, be fiercely loyal. How can we make a difference? We can be fiercely loyal. So where does your loyalty lie? You love my favorite sermon illustration, Jake. Jake is fiercely loyal to me. Ginger's okay, but I'm the man. First time that's ever been the case. We've had six German shepherds now, and they've all been fiercely loyal to Ginger, except Jake. Of course, Jake is the best dog we've ever had. 
Ginger had one dog, uh, Morgan, and one time Ginger couldn't go for a walk, and I was going to go for a walk. I said, "Come on, Morgan, let's take, take let's let's go, let's go for a walk." And she, Morgan just looked at Ginger, wouldn't budge. I begged her to go for a walk. She wouldn't do it. Stupid dog. <laughs> so where does your loyalty lie? How about your loyalties to Jesus? You know, we have all kinds of loyalties. I, I brought my... I'm loyal to the Oregon Ducks. Some of you are saying, oh, how could you? <laughs> they lost to Auburn last week. They just can't get over the top. They can't beat an SEC team. Go Ducks. <laughs> I'm loyal. Your team might be Grizz. You know, uh, some, people, some people actually like, did I hear the Packers? Oh, <laughs> Cheese heads. Now, see, here's my point is, he will take my ridicule about the cheese heads. Why? Because he's loyal. Jared and I have a bet. The Oregon Ducks are playing Montana next week. And if the Ducks don't beat Montana by at least 21 points, I have to wait. I have to wear a Lakers shirt the next Sunday. If they do, he has to wear a Golden State Warriors shirt. Now you get the idea. Isn't it amazing we're willing to stand out in the crowd for a sports team? We'll defend that team. We're loyal to that team. But what about Jesus? See, there's this pressure that's increasing in society where it used to be that Christianity, even though you weren't a Christian, you respected Christians and Christianity and respected Jesus, but increasingly in our society, if you are known as a Jesus person, it's going to require some courage. Where does your loyalty lie? Therefore, I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So offer yourself, Lord, I will be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for you. I would do anything for you. I'd pay any price for you. Notice the second part of that verse, holy and pleasing to God. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So part of being different is, is that you're a, a holy person. There's all kinds of connotations to that, but the implication is this is holy, pure, unblemished, no distractions. Blemishes are distractions, sin are distractions. The reason I bought the Diet Pepsi, I didn't have a bottle of Diet Pepsi. But when I was working in the grocery store, I... I found this bottle of Diet Pepsi that had something in it. It looked like a loogie. It's gross, huh? Point being, that might be a distraction. So you can be holy 
and pure. And it's not distracting to people. If there are sins in your life that are obvious to people, that, that are blemishes, then that can be a distraction. You know, we'll give each other grace, but especially for people in the world, if they know you're a Christian and you do something, uh, it's distracting. 1 John 1, 9 fortunately says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we want the Lord to say, I'm so proud of you. It's not just about being some legalistic, you know, you know, uptight person. You want Jesus to point at your life and say, Jim, I am really proud of you. Absolutely. I do too. I know that I make mistakes and so do you. There's no perfect people allowed. We know that here. We believe in grace and forgiveness. But as much as we possibly can, we don't want to be a distraction. We want Jesus to be proud of us. That's high motivation to me. That's a lot better than saying, don't do this and don't do that. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, I want Jesus to be proud of me. Now, this loyalty issue, if you think about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was loyal to a cause. So much so that he, he was abused, he was ridiculed, he was called a communist, he was thrown in jail. If you haven't ever read Birmingham, letters to the, in the, from the Birmingham jail, read it. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever, ever read. He was loyal to a cause. And what was the result? He made a tremendous difference. Abraham Lincoln was loyal to a cause. I've been watching all, and reading all kinds of Civil War things recently. Abraham Lincoln sat in the White House being ridiculed even by people in the North. Many people hated him and criticized him. He sat in his office every day knowing that 2,000 people would die that day. That was the average, 2,000 people a day. Can you imagine? But he was loyal to a cause. And the result is he's great, we refer to him as the greatest president of the United States. So be loyal to Jesus. Number two, learn to be comfortable being a nonconformist. Notice again that verse, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, I brought, I brought this glove. This is a great illustration of conforming. Bobby, come here a second. Stick out your right hand. Look at that. That glove takes the shape of her hand. Her hand isn't shaped by that glove. The glove takes the shape of her hand. Thank you. Now, my hand is bigger than Bobby's. But notice what happened. That glove was shaped by my hand, not the other way around. What Jesus is saying is, don't be shaped by the world. Don't conform to the world. And gosh, there's so many ways we do that, aren't there? More than we probably realize. Our attitudes, 
Our behavior is often shaped by the world. When I was a college student, speaking of hippies, it was in the early 70s, and I went to Portland State University, which, if you know anything about Portland, you know it's, there's a lot of crazy people in Portland, and they're proud of it. And it was that way then. They'd stopped turning over cars and burning them and having riots and so forth by the time I got to college, but it was still a pretty liberal place. And I'm a pretty conservative person. I worked in a grocery store, so imagine now. I attend five days a week this liberal university where there's all kinds of characters. Every, everything you can imagine. And then at night, I worked in a grocery store where I had to wear a white shirt and a bow tie. Quite a difference. So that's an example of what you feel. How, would, how do you think I would have felt if I would have worn a white shirt and a bow tie to school? That would have required a great deal of courage to be a nonconformist, and it would have looked pretty stupid. I'm not talking about that kind of example of being loyal, but don't let the world squeeze you into its mold is one way one translator. Your values, your, your uh, worldview. How do you decide if something is right and wrong? By what the culture says or by what the Bible says? If you let the culture, culture shape you, I can guarantee you over the last 25 years, your, your, your decision about right and wrong is a lot different if you let the world shape you. Biblical values. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. A little stretchy, isn't it? Ephesians 5, verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Live as children of the light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. In other words, make Him proud of you. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Now, please don't hear me saying... Uh, become judgmental because people aren't like you. That's what the Pharisees did. They pointed at everybody, put them down. They were better than everybody else. That's not, that's not the way Jesus wants us to act. He wants us to be holy and pure, but be a lover of people, known for our love. Then fill in the next blank. Live a life of love and learn to be comfortable being different. Now, I have a slide here of a chameleon. Funny little creatures, aren't they? 
So a chameleon has a lizard-like tongue. Its eyes operate independently of one another. So the right eye can be going this way and the left eye can be going this way. They're funny little creatures. But why do we recognize the chameleon? Why do we remember them? They fit into their environment. If they're on something brown, they become brown or blue or green. Don't be a chameleon. See, I know, I know what it feels like. You, you, you don't want to be different. So you let peer pressure. Peer pressure isn't just for junior high students. Peer pressure is for adults too. We want to fit in with our environment. Don't be a chameleon. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, we get so frustrated by the world that we live in. But listen, the reason we get frustrated is because this is not our home. Heaven is our home forever. And sometimes we feel like aliens and strangers in the world. Abstain from sexual desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. And notice the next blank is learn to be a winsome nonconformist. A winsome nonconformist. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So be fiercely loyal, be holy, but also be winsome. One of my best friends, Joe Whitwer, who's been a pastor for in Spokane for about as long as I've been in Billings, and Joe uh, was the student body president in high school. And he lived his faith openly. And everybody loved him for it. And they respected him for it. In other words, he wasn't some, you know, goody two-shoes pointing at everybody else. He sincerely loved people, but he was so healthy that people admired him for it. That's what I'm talking about. And then number three is, you will make a difference. You have to be different to make a difference. But you will make a difference if you're different, if you're a nonconformist. Now we started this morning, I'll skip this one, uh, reading this passage again, we started talking about you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Uh, gosh, I, <clears throat> I hope we can see this about ourselves. In your home and where you work, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. See, most of us don't think we can. But if you live for Jesus in a healthy way and you hold dearest what he holds dear, and that is, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You're known by your love. That's different than the world. It'll make a difference. 
So things can be better. That's salt. Things can be better. So we all know, you're sitting at home. Uh, sometimes I'll be sitting in our, in our uh, great room, and Ginger will bring me a plate, and I'll pray first. I, I always have to pray for the bite that Ginger's already taken. <laughs> always. <laughs> but I pray for that bite too. And sometimes I'll say, you know, Ginger look at me, it's just not quite right. Get up and get the salt. Put a little salt on there. Just right. Now think about your life, wherever you are. Before you show up, things are not quite right. But when you show up, if you're salt, if you're different, then people can look at that situation now because of your presence. Oh gosh, things are better. Things are better because you're there. You're making a positive difference. And then things can be brighter. You know, when I, during the week, this room is very, very dark. And once in a while I want to get back there and fiddle around with something on, in the booth back there and you can't even find the booth till you turn the light on. And all of a sudden, so you, you know what it's like to stumble around in the dark? Sometimes at night I'll trip over something. Stub my toe. When you turn on the light, oh, now I can see what I'm doing. Things are, things are brighter. When you walk in a room, and it's not because you've put on some kind of airs or something. If you're just in love with Jesus and living for Him and not compromising your life. Your presence can make people feel like, gosh, it's just... Now that's how you're supposed to do that. Now I can see what I'm doing. See, we can make that kind of a difference. You think about the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, love. You show up during the week when something's other than love, you can make a difference. Joy. You ever, you ever any place during the week where there's sadness and heartache and pain? And you can bring joy. Peace. You ever some place where there's anger and turmoil and frustration? Your presence can bring a sense of peace. Just go down the list. Love, joy, peace, patience. Gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We live in a world, just turn on, the, turn on the news. We live in a vicious world. You can make a difference. That verse that I've quoted so often, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be influenced by the environment that you're in, but be an influencer in the environment that you're in. Be the salt of the earth. Be the light of the world. Bow your heads with me, if you would, please. Lord.